Hey, what's up? Today we are talking to Kendrick of Begotten. Begotten is a nice, heavy, synth-based metalcore band. Uh, if you're a fan of the Browning, you will be a fan of Begotten. Really good stuff, and Kendrick is a really good dude. And before we get in, I'm going to ask you to leave a five-star review on whatever streaming platform you're listening on, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever it is. Leave a five-star review. Helps a ton with the growth of the podcast and helps support me. So head over to the homepage for the podcast on your streaming service and give a five-star review. All right, we are here with Kendrick, a.k.a. Sparrow. How are you doing today? What's going on? I'm good. How are you? Chilling. You just whenever we were just talking, you said that you you just want to talk about metalcore, and so uh, got a lot of stuff about metalcore that I'd like to talk about, um, like your <laughs> opinions on the current state. But first, uh, Sparrow, where's the where does that come from? Because I have a I have a thing about sparrows as well, so I need to know where. Oh, so uh, it's just uh, it's Sparrow, just with the P H. Oh, P H A R O. Oh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, yes, sir. I thought you said Sparrow. I'm oh, sorry. I mumble a lot. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> well, no, you're good. I was about to say, because like, for me, uh, you know how people always ask, like, if you were an animal, what would you be? And I always say like a sparrow, like a tiny little bird, because I feel like there's like no freer animal on the planet than like a tiny little bird. Yeah, that's actually pretty true. It's a good point. You know, it's weird you say that because I thought sparrows were like the bigger ones, but I never really put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I just, every other animal is like constrained in certain ways, but I honestly feel like a tiny little bird, like those little ones you see zipping around, I think they can just do whatever the freaking crap they want. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. actually, uh, I, have, I have thought about that once. I'm like, man, animals, especially birds, be flying wherever they are, wherever they want to go. Have you, cool. you see those like big eagles or hawks flying around and there's like five sparrows like jumping them have you ever seen that yeah it's crazy <laughs> they're just yeah. dipping on them the big bird can't do crap because the little ones are just dipping around i always think that's hilarious just proves my point that's like the shit that keeps me inspired in life i'm like man if these little guys can do it so can i <laughs> there you go and so uh pharaoh where what about pharaoh like what would you decide to name yourself uh stage name pharaoh for so, um, so when I joined Begotten in about 2016, um, they all had their, their stage names and everything. And, um, <clears throat> I didn't have mine. So I was trying to think, I'm like, well, you know, what can I go by? What do I like? I was like, you know, I like Grim Reapers and shit, but I feel like it'd be weird to go by Reaper because I've never done anything like Reaper related in my life. And, uh, it's not even really crazy or interesting of a story, but, um, one day I got a compliment from a friend and she was like, you look great. You look like a king today. And she's actually, no, you don't look like a king. You look like a pharaoh. And it just clicked. I was like, yo, that's it. Heck yeah. That's it right there. Yeah, and <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, Begotten is like pretty thematic. There, there's, um, you know, there's a whole get up to it and there's a whole presence beyond just being a typical metal metalcore band on stage. And um, right. so coming into Begotten, uh, I'm assuming they already had that whole thing going before you came in. Yeah, they had been a band for about two years before I had joined. Yeah. And um, I had uh, I'd been a fan of the band. I'd known the guys for a while, uh, for a really long time, since like high school. And um, yeah, 
when there was two vocalists, the two brothers had their own bands and then kind of formed their own. And about, I think it was early 20, late 2014, early 2015. And they already had like this really cool, just industrial, just like new metal core sound established. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I was playing in a different band at the time. And when I left that band, I was like, you know what? Like, I'll see if they don't have a bass player. Like, I'll see if uh, they need one. And yeah. so we'll just see what happens. And yeah. And I mean, fast forward however many years. Yeah. And it's even as the bass player, you know, there's always all sorts of cracks about bass players and whatever. But like, especially seeing you guys live, I just watched you guys at So What? And I had seen you guys before that as well. Um, like you're a huge presence on the stage. Um, you know, your, your vocalist is a big commanding character as well, just cause it is a, a, it's a character. There's a whole presence to it, but on stage, you are drawing a lot of the eyes, a lot of the attention, in my opinion. Um, just cause you have a lot of energy. And so like, is from your perspective, like, how do you, what do you view as like the most important aspect? thing that a bass player provides to the band because now i'm seeing i at so what i saw like six bands backtracking bass so like as a bassist what do you think that you actually provide as opposed to someone just being able to backtrack so in my honest opinion like i i used to be pretty firm on like oh like you can't backtrack low end like you gotta have your live low end but i use digital rig like i have a camper and all that stuff um <clears throat> But I feel like with like, like me in particular, like, you know, when you, as a, unless you're like in the faceless or like, like, like animals as leaders or something crazy where you're just like completely like shredding, like as a bass, like I, a lot of energy usually comes from the bass players, like on stage, like not saying that we have like less responsibilities, but you know, it's just like, instead of like playing a crazy jazz chord during the chorus, like I'm only like strumming on one string. So like, you know, I can like spin around and jump around You're doing and a, lot of a little bit of too. like, yeah. And yeah. And, you know, I <clears throat> fill up a lot of the, uh, the empty vocal parts that, uh, that Scully needs, uh, help with. So it's just like, you know, not just me in, in general, but you know, I, most bands yeah. I've seen, I've seen a lot of bass players have a lot of energy, which is, um, quick, quick side story. But the reason I started playing bass was, uh, kind of kind of embarrassing to talk about, but fuck it, whatever. Uh, when I was, when I was like 14 or 13 or some shit, I saw this video of Attila playing in some dude's backyard. Uh, yeah, I've seen that video. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Everyone, that's, I'm glad everyone knows which video I'm talking about when I bring it up. But, um, like, <clears throat> like the guitar players, like, you know, they were cool and like with their stage messages and everything, but like, I don't know. There's something that just resonated with like the bass player. And like, I was just like, do you look at that thing? And I think it's fucking huge. Like, that's so sick. And then like, when I picked one up for the first time, I'm like, you know, I have like fucking gargantuan hands. And I was like, okay, like this, this just makes sense for me. And then I, I watched bands like, uh, like, like the chair. Actually, that was a, one of the first bands I ever saw the chair and their bass player was the most nuts. First time I ever seen in my life. So I just had the standard, just like the level of performance that a bass player is supposed to have live ever since i just kind of went on this like this hole and like figuring out like why i want to be a bass player and everyone that i watched and idolized just had the most insane energy so i try to keep that up even like 
10, 15 years later, however long I've been playing music. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that that does kind of nail what is so important about the Basis Live. Like, pretty much everything you just said and everything that, like, I saw about you live, um, it really is, it's super important for, if you think about it, the Basis is kind of glue of the live energy because a Basis that can scream is super essential because the vocalist needs to move around, needs to be a presence which makes them really difficult to do all their vocal parts. So if you have a bassist that can fill that, so the vocalist can do the really important parts more better, uh, that's essential. So the bassist, and most of the time it is the bassist, just you know, no, no uh, <laughs> negative meaning of this, but the bass parts are easy, you know, and it has more room yeah. for error to um, to be messed up live than guitars, and so it is essential. To, in my opinion, to have a basis that's capable of filling in those vocal gaps, and then also with the energy. Uh, like I said, a lot of times, the vocalist might be doing something very difficult, so he kind of has to chill. Same with guitarist. Drummer can only do so much, so really the basis is what gives that whole thing, gives the crowd in, get and keeps that high energy. So I really think basis is a lot more important than some people credit it. Um and especially in, in bands, like you mentioned Faceless and stuff, like there are some bands where the guitars are freaking going crazy, and so they're just sitting there chilling, but bass is just kind of, you know, keeping that low end, and so they can actually be the one person on stage moving. <laughs> yeah, which, which happens quite a lot. In, in yeah. my years of just watching music, like I can, I can count on my hand how many bands where the guitar players and everybody else has more energy than the bass player. Yeah. Yeah, and I I and agree I, with you as well that backtracking like the low end doesn't work the same in my opinion. Nah, no, nah, it doesn't. It's just I, I can't I can't get into some like extreme just decibel related philosophical meaning and <laughs> why you shouldn't backtrack base, but it's just one of those things. It's just not right. It's like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't steal a purse, you wouldn't steal a car. Pirating is illegal, and so is backtracking base. <laughs> I agree with you, and I mean, I'm, I understand how why everyone wants to backtrack certain things. It it's cheaper to have less people. Maybe they think it's a more consistent low end. Maybe it's just not seen as essential for whatever their band is doing. Um, but how do you feel about just it seemingly more and more and more of stuff being backtracked? Like, and you know, my band is the majority there's backtracks a lot and so your band has a lot of backtrack synths and atmospheres and stuff as well. Um, yeah. but like, especially at so wet, I mean, it, it's, that's just fresh on my mind. Cause that's the first concert I've been to since the break. Uh, so in three years and I feel like a lot of people have kind of changed some stuff. I, I heard just a lot of full volume, like vocals in the backtracks, but then also, um, uh, just a whole slew of things that I felt shouldn't have been backtracked. So how do you feel about like a lot of the like full volume vocals being in there? What do you think about the modern state of metalcore where it's seeming like bands are starting to go a little more towards that like hip hop realm where it's pretty much a, ba a whole track playing with them kind of on top? So <clears throat> once upon a time, I definitely was kind of weird about like, I was like, why is there, there shouldn't be extra vocals backtracked and like, there shouldn't be guitars backtracked. But as like, 
as where we are in a society with technology, especially with live music technology and the things just like the endless, like bounds of shit that we can do to make our live show damn near perfect. I, I think it's necessary for some metalcore bands. Cause like, you know, um, for anyone that's listening that hasn't gone to a studio session, like if you, if you look at <clears throat> most of your favorite bands, like say it's like I prevail or like the ghost Society or knock loose. It's like a lot of these, so what bands, just for example, like, the amount of just like tracks and just everything they have going on in their songs are, are insane. Yeah. And it sounds like it sounds great in the studio and it sounds great in your headphones or in your car, wherever you're listening to it. And you're like, wow, I really want to see this band live. And then you go live and it's just, you know, raw vocals and two guitar, bass and drums. And then you're just like, Oh, well, sound cooler when i was listening to it it's like no like if i i want people to hear exactly what they listen to when they're listening to it under a long time because you know a lot of people put a lot of emotion and feelings with the music that they listen to so it's just like you you want your consumer to hear the exact same thing and get the exact same feeling they have whenever they listen to your music when they come and see you live you know saying like it's if i if i have like you know a bunch of tracks going on and some vocal harmonies in the background going on. And I have like a third guitar on my backtrack going on just to make somebody feel something. And honestly, so be it. You know, that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember like, wow, this band sounded exactly how they did when they recorded. I fucking love that. Can't wait to see them again. Like, yeah. uh, for example, Bad Omens is a band that sounds exactly the fuck like how they do live on their recordings. And I know they have like a ton of tracks and samples and stuff going on live, but it just, it just makes sense. Yeah. And and if you don't have that, like if you're like a uh, what's a quick example? If you're like if you're like a like a Kublacon band and you don't have much backtracks and you just have like, you know, Matt Honeycutt just like barking into a fucking microphone <laughs> and that's all you gotta do, then like fuck it. That's all you gotta do. And that's all that a band like that needs to make it work live. And I uh, you know, there's I essentially there's there's nothing wrong with having a shit ton of tracks. Like I mean if you're if you well, okay. Well, if you're like, if you're whole ass, like faking it and like lip syncing, then, right. you know, sh- shame on you, but you know, make your money or whatever. Like I can't really, yeah. can't be bad. At, at least go bills. over the top <laughs> of it. Like just to, for layering essentially. And like, yeah. And, and I feel the same. Uh, I, I'm, I'm making the backtracks right now for this upcoming tour that we're doing. And like one of the singing choruses, there's, there's literally like a five part harmony. And so it's like, I have to have that pretty loud in there or it will sound completely different. It will not sound the same because the harmonies add so much depth. And so um, exactly. I, I agree you with you. You are a four piece. Yeah, exactly. Like and you so, can't have the rest of your band <laughs> harmonizing with <right>. you. <laughs> yeah, and I had the uh, the so many comments of people. Um, like Even I just made a post like, what old songs do you want to hear? And someone responded and said, I just want to see a live keyboard player. And I'm like, I would still have to background like 20 layers of synth behind that keyboard player. You know, there's yeah. too there's too many layers. There's too much going on. One person can't do it. And so I agree. I, it's just one of those things that it's just modernizing in a way. Because I remember the first time I started hearing people do a lot of backtracks live, you know, uh, however many years ago it was. And I, I was kind of weirded out by it. Um but it just add it does add a lot. It adds some punch to some really emphasized parts, and yeah. But I I do really hate whenever 
like a lot especially a lot of times bands will like fully track like a like a chant like a vocal chant type thing uh but it's so loud and the guitarists and stuff are acting like they're doing these chants but you know for a fact they're like five percent of the total sound happening right there like certain things i think i like whenever i'm backtracking vocals i try to at least get it layered to where like my voice my actual voice is going to be sitting on top um but maybe the average person isn't like sitting there and watching that crap that i am but it's because i just like over analytical and i've you know put this crap together so i can see like that's definitely way backtracked but my wife is like, I think he's doing it. And I'm just like, you know, so like an average person. Right, well, that's, that's yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe I just am looking at it from uh, an over analytical, like behind the scenes perspective rather than just enjoying it, you know? And well, people like us are cursed to overanalyze literally <laughs> any and everything at a live show. So yeah. yeah do do you, do you struggle to enjoy certain things live? Man, let me tell you, I'm so <laughs> fucking jaded. Yeah. I, I wish sometimes I wish I never got into music so I can just enjoy things. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's so difficult sometimes and not even like, like just sitting there being like, I think he fucked up right there, but it's just like, like if I hear like, like a, a weird, just like sound, cause I'm just really dialed into what's going on. I'll just think about it. I'm like, Oh shit. I think the guitar player just fucked up and I'll look at his yep. face reaction. I'm like, Oh man, he did fuck up. How's he going to recover? <laughs> It's right. going to bother him for the rest of the show. You know, I've been, I'm like not paying attention anymore. So, yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, I get taken out of it so much. Um, even by like, um, live sound, like one of my friends band was playing on the same stage you guys did at So what, um, you guys sounded great, but right when they started, the tracks were just like obnoxiously loud to where I, I like couldn't watch. I had to pretty much like walk away. Cause I was like, this is going to actually destroy my ears. I need to get out of the front of the stage. And, uh, but there's just so many little things. I'm sitting there looking at the sound guy, like, why are you not fixing this currently? And, but the crowd's sitting there enjoying it, but I'm like losing my brain. Cause this is like, obviously screwed up. Uh, but yeah, it's just hard to, to sit there and not overanalyze stuff uh, like that. And so I agree. It's, it's kind of like the thing, the saying, like, don't meet your heroes. Well, it's like, also don't like run like, multiple tours and run stage management because you'll never be able to just watch a show again. Nope. Never again. <laughs> it's a trap. Everyone listening. Don't do it. Don't follow your dreams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I mean, you do a lot of stuff um, and with live, live shows and live events as well. Don't you? Yeah. I uh, talent by I used to stage hand for the longest time um, tour manage like pretty, pretty much anything and everything except for actually no i've ran lights for a band before yeah well yeah, once you're, whenever you're in yep. that whenever you're in those venues and those things it's like you you always just get different opportunities to try a different thing depending on the tour package that comes in and what they what they have with them how did you uh how did you like stage handing at a venue uh depends on the tour and it honestly depends on the crew exactly um Sometimes it kind of sucks just because it's like, you know, 8 a.m. call and, you know, fucking Jack White wants to pre-rig his own, like, entire just, like, PA system and, like, staging and everything. But if the crew is super cool and, like, everyone's having a good time, then, you know, it's cool. But if it's, you know, 
other band I won't mention the name of and the TM is screaming at people at 7 a.m., then I'm like, man, this sucks. I would like to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a theory just from all, all the artists that we've worked with. It's like never the band that is a problem. It's almost always the crew. Do you have that Essentially, same yeah. Uh, absolutely. I've had more issues with like crews on tour than I have with like the actual musicians, especially and, and what with, do you um, think that what do you think that that is why 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 is crew so difficult to deal with or is always yeah. causing the issues? You know sometimes I feel like so it's it's it just it, it kind of depends on like what caliber the show is, so like you know sometimes it could be. 7 a.m. call for like a fucking huge 5,000 cap room tour and the TM had to had a rough time the night before trying to get everybody together because they're all, you know, fucking hammered, you know, in, in Vegas or some shit. So <laughs> he got three hours of sleep and now he's got to wake up and just do everything again and he's tired and restless and I'm sure, you know, no one ever wants to take out their anger and frustration on like the, the house employees, but, you know, if, I get it. You have a bad day. You have a bad day. <clears throat> or sometimes people just have really shitty attitudes. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, especially nowadays after COVID, just everybody is, uh, everybody's booked doing something. So trying to find like the right and ideal like crew for your band yeah. for any type of tour gets pretty difficult. And Unfortunately, sometimes you'll have a bad apple and you just got to deal with it. <laughs> you just got to deal with uh, it for that tour at least. Right? Such for the bands. I got to have to go through that. I've heard some horror stories, but um, you know, hope, usually I hope it's, you can kind of tell when someone is just having a bad morning because by the end of the night, they're in a good mood. And um, then, you know, unfortunately, there are those rare instances where sometimes people just suck. And that's just, <laughs> that's just, that's what just is, how it goes. What right? is your dream job in the industry minus being like uh like a popular musician you know what i was thinking about this the other day because i i was like where you know i'm almost i'm 28 i'll be 29 next month um my cash app will be in the bio if anybody wants to you know send me birthday money um <laughs> i'm just joking um in a perfect world in a like in a absolute perfect world, I would love to just be a paid musician that will just, you know, get picked up for like gigs or like tours here and there. And I just have like a solid rate that will be met with no problem. And I'm just, you know, living my days, just chilling and just playing every once in a while and touring every once in a while. I love, I love booking shows and, um, you know, I love doing all that other stuff, but I just, I mean, just like everyone else, I just really enjoy playing. But I guess realistically, realistically, I would love to open my own venue one day. Yeah. And just kind of, kind of run it the way I've seen fit since I've worked at all sorts of venues and just, you know, played and seen and just experienced everything. I, I don't want to say I think I have it figured out, but I at least want to give it my own shot mm -hmm. and be like, all right. Yeah, this could work out. Well, I mean, I I say it all the time. I think there's not enough um, experienced music musicians 
that run parts of the industry, whether it be record labels, uh, booking agencies, management, or even coming down to venues. Um, just because a lot of them could be investors or say some dude opened a bar and he was like, yeah, I'll put a stage there. And then it actually gets popular. And so they start trying to increase the stuff, but they haven't, they were never a touring musician. So they don't have things optimally set up for bands that come in on tour or maybe the stage is set up in a weird position, whereas a musician would be like, no, this would be better, you know? And like, they don't like, they might not think about, okay, how's, one band going to get their gear off stage while the other one's coming on stage, you know? (laughs) And it's like, if it's not set up optimally for these little things, then it's going to be a nightmare for touring bands to come in. So if this, maybe there just needs to be a company that's like a consultant (laughs) to venues. That's like, Hey, we're going to fly in this dude that has 20 years touring experience and he's going to help you set up this thing properly. Uh, Because so many times there's just, it, some of the stuff the venues do just really don't make sense. And so I agree. I think oh, that no, you probably do have enough experience to run like one of the best operated venues like around. And I would say that it would just, I, I think there needs to be more musicians involved in the industry. And you know, <clears throat> when you think about it, everything that's, that's open that's okay. Everything that has been open for the past, say like 10, 15 years, venue wise, and like just like, like hole in the wall bar club that has like a stage wise has been ran by just, I, I would say more just like, like older cats that know how to run a business, but don't know how to like, you know, make, make their guests as in like their music, their musician, like the touring bands and everything happy just because. Yeah. You know, you, you just kind of come in and you're like, okay, well, here's the stage, here's optimal sound, but you know, there's the cons kind of outweigh the pros. But I feel like in the past, like I say in the past 10, 15 years, there's been a there's been a ton of bands that have just like been active for a year, two years, three years, and just kind of like call it a quit. So I honestly do feel like that <clears throat> as time goes on, like especially in the next. Uh, probably in the next decade or so as more venues and stuff open there's i see more like uh more people that are just kind of doing other things like uh like for example um the uh lee lee mckinney from born of osiris he uh he started bartending out here in deep Ellum and he put a lot of input into a new bar that opened out here and it's like super like it, it's one where a lot of people in bands like go and like hang out and like you know he's a guy that's been doing this shit forever so like they would ask him like hey lee like well what, what would make this bar cool for you what would make this a good experience for you and then like you know he gave them all their opinions and they actually listen and the bar is doing well it's called uh shot topic by the way um shout out shot topic but um but that's just like a, that's just a small example because you know um if someone were to ask me like hey i want to open a venue would you want to help a bank like, yes and let me tell you exactly what to do and, um, you know, it, I, I feel like that, uh, everybody that used to tour all the time, like what, what's a fucking completely random band. Like you remember lions, tigers, bears, like that's a band <laughs> that did a, like a handful of tours. And I'm sure like somebody somewhere, like wherever they are, whatever they're doing now, if somebody that knows them or knows of them or remember them wanted to do anything musically, I'm positive that, you know, one of those guys would come up in conversation. Like you, yeah. you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah, and right. I I agree. I think I think there's it's got to be happening sometime because, like you said, it's it's some older people currently operating this stuff, and the ones that built it are these dudes from, let's say, like the '80s, '90s, like these rock metal bands from then that are kind of running some of this stuff. Whereas, like here, like you said, within the next decade or so, maybe we'll get people that were touring in like the the late 2000s, 2010s that are now old enough to be able to invest into certain businesses since they're not as active touring wise. So we can actually get some like 2010s people to modernize a lot of these venues. It'd be, it'd be really nice, really, (laughs) even just as far as technologically, uh, a lot of these venues will have some really old sound systems that are out of date that need some, some updating. Or I also can't stand, I think that this is probably a real big thing from like rollover from the nineties and stuff is where so many venues are set up like just for the headliner and all the other bands are screwed. Uh, It's where it's like there's like the headliner can backline and be totally fine, but then every other band has no room or maybe there's only one green room with one fridge in it and one back room stage or bathroom. It's where it's like maybe, maybe back then there wasn't like these big touring packages like there are now, but now as a venue you need to accommodate for like five bands you know like three to five that's the standard package and so it's like if there's one bathroom in the backstage and it's in the headliner's bathroom and that headliner just so happens to be pricks that won't let anyone else in there like that all the other bands are just screwed uh yeah we're just like okay well this sucks (laughs) yeah and so they really need to accommodate and one of the venues I lo- I like playing this venue, but every time it is kind of a nightmare is um, trees in Deep Ellum in Dallas. Yeah. Like the load on and off of that stage makes zero sense. You're lifting drums like freaking five foot into the air on a stage, and then there's like one green room that's in the back corner of the stage, and uh, there's no optimal setup at that place once there's a crowd in there, and it's like. Places like that really need to update something about it to make it more optimal for having a ton of bands. Yeah, because you know that I know Trees. Trees was a that's like a you know early '90s venue, and that place is just built for like you know a few half stacks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know like a regular four or five piece kit, and everybody just you know easily just takes their half stacks or combos off stage and puts the next thing up, but you know, like, you know, you got to live, like, you know, we're, we're fucking 2022, man. You got to <laughs> live like four or five, just like self-contained racks on exactly. stage, bro. Like yeah. you gotta, you gotta accommodate. What do you think the best venue and, in Dallas is? Ooh, you know what? I would have to say, I'd have to say the factory is one of my favorite venues of all time. Yeah. Um, they used to be called Bomb Factory, but it's like this super dope 4,000 cap joint in Deep Elm as well. Um, and just like, like 65, 40 stage, like not just because it's huge, but just like all the staff there know exactly what they're doing when it comes to like, you know, like the sound staff. They always have stage hands, like their monitor world is, is just like everything is just great. And it's, they're super accommodating. There's like 20 green rooms for like, <laughs> Like every artist, like they yeah. just, they just, you know, they built a, they built a spot and they're like, you know, we're going to make sure that literally everyone has a fantastic time being and playing here. And yeah. it works out. I, I used to work at Factory, but I know it sounds a little biased since I used to work there, but 
um, whenever I worked there, I was part of like, you know, making sure that bands, like everybody was super happy. I don't think we ever had a bad show there. Like the only time people were upset was when they were a little bit too big for factory. Like I think a day to remember played there with falling in reverse. And that was, <laughs> they were kind of, uh, they're still on their incline. So it was sold out in seconds. And, but there was just so much shit that both bands had. Yeah. We were like, there's nothing wrong with the place. It's just still a little bit too small for something of that caliber. But, <clears throat> yeah. but other than that, I feel like, yeah, for sure. One of the best, one of the best venues you can play at. Heck yeah. Sound wise too. It's insane. I think it's like, there's this like tier list of bands as far as like size and like capability. And um, I find in the States, it's really hard to find like top of the line venues that are for like the medium tier bands. So like the the bands that draw 100 to 200 people, you know, um, yeah. or even like, you know, 50 to 200 because it can it can vary widely for like medium tier bands. Like one night they might do 50. The next night they might do 350. It, it, it really, really varies for those medium tier bands. But I feel like in Europe you can play a like a hundred fifty cap venue. Like there's this one in um in Switzerland. I think it's called Dynamo. It's a small underground venue that's like a hundred fifty cap, but it has like top of the line sound system, top of the line lights, and it's just like it sounds perfect in there. But if you get like a hundred fifty cap venue in the states, it is shot. Like it, 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 a lot of times, like there might be a couple out there, but I feel like a lot of times there's just not an investment on the medium tier level available in the states. Um, I think there were there was a couple in Dallas that we played. I don't remember. It was like one that was owned by the drummer Pantera or something or Drowning Pool, something like that. I don't remember what it was. Oh, called. Uh, was it Curtain Club? Maybe I don't remember. But I, I just think that. I wish that people would invest more into these like medium size rooms for Uh, sure. Because especially with a lot of the modern production, like you said, uh, some bands can get away with just going up there and having these raw sounds. But like a band like the Browning, like all the venues shut down in my hometown, Kansas City. The only one that's available is one I've never heard of, and we're playing it on this tour, and like it is not necessarily set up for a band that has a lot of backtracks and a lot of like needs where it's like so have you noticed maybe it didn't happen that much in dallas but did a lot of the mainstay venues are they still running in dallas after covid um uh, most of them are um a few of the uh few really good ones shut down um well i wouldn't say is a again this is a really biased one the door shut down that oh, was that just sucks. kind of like a uh like a good old uh a good old home venue for everybody and it was a good size but that one's gone um curtain club is gone uh gas monkey live was pretty dope but they're gone too it's uh yeah in dallas proper it's pretty much um it's pretty much just trees amplified and like uh yeah, Trees Amplified, House of Blues, and yeah. then you have Southside Ballroom, but they're all like, <clears throat> those are all like at least like 750, 800 cap yeah. rooms. So like, you know, if you're like a smaller band and you're trying to like go somewhere that's solid, you're kind of uh, kind <laughs> of SOL. Yeah. Which is, you know, well, what you were just talking about, you know. They yeah. just, 
I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that some of them will, some new ones will pop up. And, um, but to get into, uh, I guess, not talking about shutting down stuff. Let's let's lighten it up a little bit. Who do you think is the yeah. best band out there right now in metalcore, or let's say top three? Top three, my top yeah. three, who I think is absolutely crushing it and just making names. Let's see. Uh, one, I gotta go with Lauren Ashore. Uh, shout out Austin Archie. Um, that band has. That band has just exceeded every expectations of just like a band that can go through shit and then come back even stronger yeah. multiple times. You know, I, I'm sure all the listeners know about Lorna Shore's history, how they're on their third the vocalist and still just doing so much better for themselves as they ever been in a band and they just keep growing. Uh, their crowd at So What was massive. They, all their headliners are just doing fucking crazy numbers. And like it's it's well deserved. They've been a band for a long yeah. ass time, and they're crushing it. What are they, they're playing? Uh, they're playing Lollapalooza. Yeah, like, I saw that. You're a fucking deathcore band on Lollapalooza. Yeah. If that's not progressing. I don't know what is. Well, and they're doing point. they're doing Bring Me the Horizon as well, like a Bring Me the Horizon tour in Europe, I think. Yeah, they had a Bring Me tour with Europe. Like, yeah. bring, I don't. The last time Bring Me even like considered taking a deathcore tour <laughs> out and has been. A long time, other than taking Knock Loose out. Um, yeah. Now, real quick about Lorna Shore, uh, as we toured with Lorna Shore, really good people. Yeah, and like you said, shout out Austin. I love Austin. Real super good dude. Um, and everyone in that band, good people from the ones that I've met. Um, but I don't know if they're necessarily doing anything like above and beyond or taking things to another level or if it was just this online hype from uh honestly that one song like and i i get down with them and i i like them as people but they're pretty much just doing the same thing they've done but they had that one thing that hit like crazy and so or do you see it from another perspective of they are doing something above and beyond except will is on another level of vocals live like he's on a different level but beyond that I see it as I see, so it's definitely it's for sure a hype train thing at first because you know he did his weird fucking snarl shit on that on that first single that came out and that just blew everybody's fucking mind. <clears throat> but, How do you feel like, about that blowing people's mind? Because people that listen to a lot of subgenres and deathcore, they've heard vocals like that forever, but whenever they did it, it was like. It, it hit the reaction channels and went up to like this mainstream audience that was hearing that vocal for the first time. Whereas people that have listened to slam or anything like that have heard that type of vocal. And so it didn't catch me like by surprise when I heard it, I, I didn't think it was like insane, but I feel like it, the one thing that they did do is they had the right moment. They're in the right place at the right time with reaction channels and COVID where People were hearing that type of vocal for the very first time that weren't in the subgenres and thought it was absolutely insane. Uh, so I'm trying to think of how to put it. Um, you, you're definitely right because, admittingly, sorry, Austin. Admittingly, when I first heard the song, <laughs> I was just like, "Okay, you know, it's cool." Not a Lauren Shore song, and then I gave it like after I kept listening to it, like it's like one of those things where I was just like. 
yeah, this is this is definitely pretty cool. And I think what was so captivating about it, especially to just the mainstream general audience, was um like the way that the way well definitely the way it was produced and just how like it was just a like you know everything stopped yep. in the song and he does this fucking this snarl part and it just comes right back in on your your fucking like ass beating deathcore breakdown part. Yeah. <clears throat> but like just the fact that they did so much just focus on just that part in general. Yeah. And just like the way that the song was. And like, you know, and you know, they're all they're all like good dressing, popular, like skinny, good looking guys. So like, you know, there's just a bunch of elements that put it together that kind of make it uh more marketable to mainstream. But I feel like it was just the way that it was produced and the way that they like portrayed it. And like, yeah, it just sounded like, uh, you know, because you know, like you said, we we've we've heard this before with like plenty of like like other deathcore bands, but like, I I don't know, just there's just something about, I guess, it's like the isolation of it, yeah, and just the way that they like pushed it, and they're like, we want people to be like, yo, this is fucking crazy, and you know, it did exactly that, and it was definitely bold it to it do definitely blew up on TikTok too. Yeah. That was like the other big thing. The other huge part is like that shit blew up on TikTok and like, you know, everybody was like hearing that and they're like, this is weird. Let me fucking use this to make a funny yeah. video. And then, you know, it just goes above and beyond with side note. TikTok is, uh, TikTok is really, really something right now. Isn't it? It's <laughs> I, I, it's that I hate having to talk about TikTok, but it is undeniable as far as what it can do. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're a prime example of that. And, like I said again, they're just right place, right time, and and like you said, they've been doing it for a long time in like a really good professional way, and so that's one of those things about consistency. If they let one of those stupid situations hold them back, uh, then they wouldn't have been in the right place at the right time. But they didn't let it hold them back. They pushed through it, and it allowed them to make the right music at the exact right moment to be able to have their moment. And they really are right now. You're right. They're they're on another level and also live. Um, and I've said this on podcast too, and it's zero hate at all. Like I wouldn't listen to Lorna Shore on record, but I would watch them every single day live. They're insane musicians. Austin, I think is the best drummer in metal. And Will, I think is the most consistent best vocalist in metal in the live For setting. Sure. And so they are to me on another level in the live setting. And they just really had that moment. And then, they're also one of the first bands that I remember seeing that started becoming super active uh, whenever things opened back up from the pandemic. Um, they were they started doing the tours right away, and I was still like questioning if I wanted to do anything, but they were already out there like doing these massive tours. And so they again, right moment, right time, didn't let anything hold them back, even the pandemic, and they just absolutely killing it. So. I'd agree. Right oh, yeah. now, they are on top in the metalcore, deathcore realm, and I just sure. love I love seeing it too because so many people have it in their brain that they have to like quote unquote sell out to be successful. It's like Lorna Shore is no, as extreme as it gets. They they are unapologetically them themselves with their sound and everything they do, and I think that is what's so admirable about that band because yeah. everybody is like if you haven't liked them you like them now if you liked them before 
you like them even more. And even yep. if you don't like them, it's undeniable that they are they're just doing really good for themselves and they're honestly doing really good for not even just metalcore, just for deathcore in general. Because like as far as I know, this is literally the first deathcore band that has even touched Lollapalooza. Yeah. You know, something like just such a mainstream festival like that. And all that's going to do is just create more opportunities for more heavy bands. Yeah. Like I, I see it as really inspiring because they're just like, you know, there's nothing like, there's nothing gimmicky about Lorna Shore. Like no. if you're a fucking like deathcore snob and you're like, well, this is like blah, 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 mainstream. I'm like whatever, dude. But like <laughs> the fact of the matter is you can't deny that like they are, they're doing a lie and they're doing something good. Yeah. And it's, it's extreme specific genre of music. Yeah. And at so what, like you said, they, the crowd, I didn't, I didn't stay around for some of the headliners, but they did have the biggest crowd I saw there. And even there oh, was a, sure. there was a building off to the side. There's like a little bar thing. I don't know exactly what it was, but they are the only yeah. band I saw that standing on top of that bar. I don't, I didn't know them, uh, but there was a lot of people standing on top of that bar watching them. Uh, and there was like some rappers standing up there watching them as well. I didn't see anything like that for any other artist. So they, I think they are drawing enough attention to get attention from people outside of it. So that is really sick. So now that I've talked about Lorna Shore for the 500th time on this podcast, uh, <laughs> what's the next one? What's number two? So number two, um, and I just brought them up. I'd have to say is knock loose for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think they're another like, real I, obvious one too. I, I have this and I know that like I guess I'm just kind of I'm kind of going here um how about this I'm gonna give you three like statistic ones and I'll just give you or two statistics and they're like two that I, yeah. I just personally think are killing it because I like them um but yeah no definitely knock loose and I was talking about this last night to Orlando like that is a band that has genuinely just grown organically because they're kids that wrote cool music that they like and they're like i want to play this live and watch my friends beat the shit out of each other yeah and now they're playing it live and watching the fucking world beat the shit out of each other because yeah. they just continue to write cool music that they like yeah i saw them i saw them at tomcats in fort worth when they were still open and there was not even a hundred people there we were all just friends with this band is beating the, the life out of each other because they wrote like you know pretty sick fight riffs and then like it just just kept growing and yeah. growing and growing and i'm just like thinking about it looking at them i'm like man these are still just these are still just kids writing cool music and like that's if that's not fucking inspiring to anybody then like i don't know what is like you know that's they're they're growing exponentially as well they had one of the biggest crowds at so what undeniably and like yes i think like they were my band favorite that, band that i that i watched and my wife doesn't listen to heavy music but she loves knock loose uh like she'll turn them on and if she doesn't listen if she's not like listening to knock loose she's listening to zeppelin so like <laughs> she listens to janice joplin oh, zeppelin and Jimi hendrix and knock loose wow that's what a okay <laughs> <laughs> and so it says something about it i think it's just because it's so raw and intense and again same with lorna shore knock loose is extremely good live like beyond yeah, good super good yeah and so maybe that has Great something to do with too. them as well as they're drawing more and more heads because when they do open these big tours and people see them they're like holy crap like if you can blow the headliner out of the water people are going to come watch you 
whenever you headline, you know, and I think oh, both, yeah. I don't think there's a band that those bands can tour with that they wouldn't blow out of the water. No, like they're about to go out with Bring Me. Uh, what are they? They're, they're direct support to Bring Me. Yeah. That's, that is nuts. Like Bring Me is definitely the fucking, I would say the biggest band in our, in our subgenre. And like to have like the almighty Oliver Sykes be like, I like Knock Loose. I would yeah. like their Howard and his British accent. I like Knock Loose. <laughs> I would like to take them on tour. And yeah. I think that they're going to fucking, no offense, like I, I fucking love Bring Me. That's one of my favorite bands of all time. But I think Knock Loose will absolutely blow them out of the water. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's just an intensity that's undeniable um, with them. The, the screams themselves, the music is chaotic and they got the energy. So 100% respect to both Lorna Shore and Knock Loose for not only being really good live, but uh, just absolutely blowing up and taking control of that moment. Because there's so many yeah. artists over the years that were seemingly on top, like, let's say, sworn in, uh, but then they didn't take control of that moment and they let things get to them and it just didn't work. Um, right. And where Knockloose, Lorna Shore are hundred percent making it happen. So big time respect to that. Uh, right, so who's the two bands that aren't obvious that you think are doing it right? So, so this this is a this is kind of like a mixture of both artists. Sorry, it was gonna, but I think also that in like metalcore, Ice Nine Kills is fucking absolutely crushing it as well explain i didn't even realize i haven't gotten on that train but my best friend so uh they he loves them so yeah explain the ice nine kills situation to me (laughs) so i was never i was never big on listening to ice nine kills i never like listened to that the first time i heard about them was like they were on this big battle to open up the all-stars tour a long time ago. And I think they won, but like we were all voting for a hundredth play. And I was like, Oh, who's I'm like, what the fuck is ice nine kills? Like, who is this? And like, they just been a band. I just keep seeing on like tours here and there. And then all of a sudden I see them, they're on a headliner here in Dallas, like before the pandemic, and there's like eight, 900 people here. And I'm like, is this band really this big? Like what? So then, um, I met Patrick, the drummer he used to be in that band um oh god what are they called um affiance he used to be in affiance and i i played with affiance a lot back in the day and like we kind of started talking and like we were, I were like holy shit we remember each other so shout out patrick i think his last name is Colante. that's how you say it I'm not sure but shout out patrick anyways um i you know started paying attention to ice nine i, I still don't listen to them per se but like the shit that they're doing as a band is nuts. They did, I think they did two or three shows with fucking Metallica and Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, I saw they're that. They're about to go out with Slipknot. Um, what else? They're on this fucking massive tour with Motionless and White and uh, and Black Belt Brides. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, Ice Nine Kills is huge. They're doing some big shit right now. Like, they, this band is absolutely crushing it. What I'm do like, you think it fucking- is that's making it happen for them? So I kind of looked into it and like, I don't, this is the thing. Like, it's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know who the fuck is an ice nine kills fan. Like <laughs> I personally don't know anyone that's like, yeah, I love that band. But like, it's undeniable proof that they have a massive fan base. And when you like look into it, it's like, they just incorporate anything and everything that's horror 
and turn it into just like some theatrical, just like metalcore music. And I'm just like, wow, that's actually really sick. And they're going through with it like full force. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures, but the singer fucking, he'll dress up like Freddie and like wear like the half burn mask. And then like, he'll grab like the fucking Michael Myers knife. And like, everybody dresses up as just like random, like horror characters. Like, I think the drummer will do Jigsaw from Saw and then the fucking bass player singer does, um, he puts on the yellow umbrella or um, raincoat for like the kid for yeah. it. And I'm like, that's just like, just the, the amount of work that they put into their craft to make them actual massive is like, wow, sick. Like you guys love horror, like actual like horror movies. So you make horror movie metalcore yeah. and everyone like loves it. Horror fanatics love it. Well, and and they love it enough to where they can play with fucking Metallica. Yeah. And they're, they're not doing anything beyond anyone else musically. Uh, the vocals are um, catchy. You know, he's a really good singer, um, but nothing that's crazy. Uh, so really what they, I feel like they've done is they have created their own niche market and are controlling wow. that completely. Absolutely. Yeah. They're 100% controlling it and they're rolling with it. I think they're on their like second wave of like, like I think, because I, I, I watch a lot of live videos of bands, like especially like festivals, just to see like, you know, like what's like, what's going on, what's up. And like, they're on this, like they all wear suits. I, I don't know what it's, what movie it's from, but like people are just fucking eating it the fuck up. And yeah. they're solid as shit. They, man, they are solid as shit live. Like, well, they have a lot of experienced fucking- musicians in there. Like you said, drummer from Affiance. I know one of the guitarists was Ricky, the vocalist from uh, This or the Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, This or the Apocalypse, yeah, right. And then the other guitarist is from His Blood Runs Black. And so. Yeah, those are seasoned musicians. Yeah, <laughs> so they're all solid, like experienced musicians that are all really talented. And so, again, I actually, I did see them live. I saw them open up for Motionless and White. It was probably like six years ago or something. Uh, I think it was before some of those members were in the band. I don't remember. But I saw them. I didn't know it was them. Um, but they, uh, they're probably very, very solid live now. And so, again, probably a great live band. Um, and like you said, that you don't know anyone that's a Nice Nine Kills fan. I feel that exact same way about I Prevail. I've always felt that way about I Prevail, but they are, you know, they headlined one of the nights of So What Fest. They have, what, like freaking 2 million monthly listeners on Spotify or whatever. But I I don't know where it came from. I just remember seeing, like, at one point they were doing covers, and I was like, okay, I knew the band, never listened to anything. Then I saw them, like, headlining over the word alive, like, whatever, seven years ago, six years ago. And I was like, holy crap, they're over the word alive. And then now they're doing these huge headliners and headlining festivals. But I just, I never saw them. I never understood it. It, well, you know, you know the story of like what happened, right? With their Taylor Swift cover. No, I don't. So, so basically I, and I'm pretty sure don't quote me on this, but like, I I tell this, I, I know it's something along the lines of, they did that blank space cover and they were just, you know, a regular like local metalcore band with like a little bit of hype or whatever. And they released a blank space cover. And I was at the same time when Taylor Swift had her fucking meltdown and like took all our music off the internet. Like briefly, you remember that, right? Yes. So like I, when that happened, whenever people would listen to blank space or stream blank space or whatever, 
their cover of Blank Space was the song that was streamed. And that song got so many accidental streams that it literally hit Billboard. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, and right place, right like, time. <laughs> that was literally, literally a right place, <laughs> the ultimate right place, right time situation. And they took that momentum and just absolutely exploded into now one of the also one of the biggest bands in our fucking genre. Yeah, I I haven't listened to any other music. Maybe I'm just an idiot and like I'm too like <laughs> I'm too like I don't listen to a lot of music and when it's a band that I've seen the name but you know, I've listened to a little bit like their song Hurricane. I I'm sure I played like 20 seconds of it, but it's not my style. And so I just never really dove into them, but undeniable, I guess. I did you watch them at so what did they kill it uh no i missed their set actually yeah I did. me and my wife we we were out at so what was, starting uh, at like 10 a.m was i watching so i did oh, i was watching trippy red yeah oh uh, I, I that was the one we like we left the festival because i can't i'm we're i'm 31 now and like we have a daughter we are not out that late anymore <laughs> you know and so i uh, we were there at 10 a.m and at like seven or eight, we were like, we need to go chill for a little bit. And we were about to go back just to watch Trippy Red, but um, went ahead and just stayed in the hotel and ate ice cream instead. <laughs> hey, that's solid. Yeah. And so how was Trippy uh, Red? Man, he was, it was, he was really cool. He was really cool to watch. He had a solid set. He was really fucking good live. Dude can sing. I know he had auto tunes on, but like, dude, dude can definitely sing. And like, he came up with some really good, uh, really good songs, you know, that he played, like he played his hits or whatever. And like, he performed them perfectly. So I was just like, wow, like, I'm so glad I sat here and watched this. It's, I, I like Trippy Red too. As an artist, I was yeah most excited to see him on the rap stage and he did not disappoint. I, I only him. like one of his songs, the Dark Knight demo. Did he play that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. I he actually opened with that song. What? Oh my God. I could have watched yeah, one song and left. Hype. Mega hype, yeah. God dang it. I, I, I'm mad. I could have just watched one song and dipped. I missed it. That's all good. <laughs> I mean, he'll be back. I think he was I think I think he was in Dallas not too long ago. I don't know. Rappers have weird they have the most weird and just like sporadic tour schedules I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm just like, whatever. Well, I mean, if I could just fly in for one day and then go home for like a week and a half, I would do it. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm like, that's that's the dream. Yeah, yeah. it really is. I, I've always been wanting to try to get into that in some way. Like, if I was going to DJ on the side or whatever, they just fly you in for a weekend and you go home, chill. Like, that that really yeah. would be the dream. Get paid, like, loads of money just to, like, you know, do your thing real quick. Hang out and then do, like, the, like, what is it, like, the little after hours, yeah, after like, club party and get paid for, for a second appearance. You don't even have to do anything. You just got to be there and everyone's <laughs> exactly. just taking like a crazy amount of pictures and then you go home even more rich than you were the day before <laughs> <laughs> so who uh after ice nine kills who's who, name a band that isn't <laughs> on the top because all the ones you've named so far are on the top on top okay um a band that's like that's just like good that i like just really like for some reason um He's i about just to say crown the empire or something yeah, I was never really big on them. I was actually at their first show, fun fact. Yeah, because they're from like, that yeah, area. Right. I remember my drummer worked at a guitar center in Dallas, and like 
he sold them like some of their gear for like one of their first shows they were ever going to play or whatever. Then they yeah. they had really talented singer. Like obviously, a lot of these types of bands get carried by the singer, and so it's good to see them still out there killing it. But oh yeah, absolutely. All right, who, who um, I, I, throw one out there? What band? Oh man, um, uh, man, I just I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Um, I mean, a lot of the bands I just kind of listen to on repeat or on top. Oh, um. I just got into Holding Absence and that band sick. Oh, Holding Absence and definitely okay, Alpha Wolf. Holy yeah. shit. That band is sick. They are, um I know they made their first US tour here with Polaris and Mike Monster Flames and uh they came through trees and I got fucking goosebumps watching really? Alpha Wolf. I was like, yo, this band is fucking hard. They uh they they have a music video for the song Akad Akudama Akadama. And yeah. like that shit's crazy. It's like super like like animated and like 3D, but like real life all the time. There's just so much shit going on. But yeah. just the way that they write their songs too are just like nuts. I really, really, I really high bass band. I the only oh, experience I've had with Alpha Wolf is um we did China in 2019, uh right before COVID. And I got I got absolutely scammed by the Chinese promoter and tour manager. And uh, basically, they they stole like four thousand dollars from me. Um, and Alpha Wolf, like we flew out. I was just thankful that we were able to get out of there. Honestly, the shows were cool and everything, but everything else about it, I absolutely got scammed. Um, and Alpha Wolf flew in and did a tour with the same promoter and same tour manager directly after mine. And so I contacted them. I was like, hey, just so you know, I just left China and you're rolling around with the same people that just scammed me out of four thousand dollars. Just so you know. <laughs> and so oh, shit. yeah. And they responded, they're like, Oh, but they're already sitting there in China. You can only do so much and you don't want to call them out or anything when you're, you know, in a place like that and at their control, you know? Um, but yeah, about the the scam thing in China, basically uh the whole agreements was all made and all this kind of stuff and all expenses paid going there and everything like that. But for whatever reason, the promoter, he screwed something up with doing the visas, doing the flights, doing the trains, all this stuff. And so he last second hit me up because he also printed all the merch. He hit me up. was like, hey, I need you to front the money, but I'll pay you back all this stuff as you get here. Like, I'll pay you back right when you get to China. It's like, okay, sure. So I bought all flights, paid for all visas, paid for all travel. Um... And then they basically, whenever I got there, I was like, okay, so, you know, you want to pay me back. The first show happened. And then he was like, well, I should have to give it to you after the first week. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. He might need to recoup some of his money. Or then the week comes and I'm sitting there and like, so what's up? And he's just like, well, I'll have to do it halfway through the tour. And that just perpetuated until the last day of tour, you know? And, um, then it ended up in me like paying for more and more stuff. Like, on the tour schedule, um, they were like, yeah, this day we're going to do the Great Wall of China. And I was like, okay, sick. And so we travel, we take a train specifically to the town, and then we have to take a four-hour taxi to the Great Wall because there's just nothing that leads up to it. And we get there, and he's like, we sit down in the taxi, and they want the payment up front. And he was like, yeah, you have to pay for it. I'm like, what? <laughs> this was not told to me. 
beforehand. So like the whole great wall thing cost me like $1,500, like right there. And I'm not even counting that into what I was to money that they owed me. Like, cause I didn't want to go all the way there and not go to the wall. So I had to pay for everyone's stuff whenever they I never, they, I assumed that it was paid for by them cause they scheduled it. But yeah, nonetheless, um, yeah. they, after the fact, after the tour, um, COVID hit. So I'm obviously not going to get a response. And then I finally got one from the tour manager and he said that the main dude, the promoter that owned the company, he's like, he owes me $20,000 and he's gone completely missing. His wife hasn't seen him in three months. Not even his wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to cut a loss on that one and be done with it. But yeah, that's my only experience with Alpha Wolf is hitting them up and saying, watch out. Like a good man, really good man for that one. <laughs> but they, I saw them doing some big stuff in in Australia. That's where they're from, and like they're they're doing some big crap over there. Big headliners. They have a freaking uh, the main thing I remember is they had like a eighty foot wide backdrop. I was like, that's the biggest backdrop I've ever seen. What did it just say their name? Yeah, straight up. That's pretty funny. It was sick though. <laughs> but yeah, they're just really, from my understanding, like really chaotic kind of metalcore, hardcore type stuff. Yeah. Like it's pretty, it's pretty structured, but it's also just still like, yeah, definitely pretty like chaotic, but like solid, like metalcore band. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, <clears throat> I know I've heard of the band for a minute because um, I was friends with uh, Maurice and he was from that band Dealer. Yeah. And I think when I listened to Dealer, they came up on the uh, bands you, you you may also like, and I was like, okay, cool. But then um, over over the pandemic, they dropped the craziest music video I ever seen in my life, and I was like, wow, this music video is sick. And I was like, so is this new song? And then they just dropped the rest of the record. And I was like, damn, Alpha was fucking killing it. But yeah, when they came into the states, their live show was just absolutely just bonkers. That's and I was awesome. like, yo, this band is gonna be fucking dope they're actually they're i think they're yeah they're coming back with air right yeah they're coming back with era and that tour is gonna be sick okay. i'm like trying to tell everyone i'm like look i don't care if you don't like era or invent or whoever else is on the tour like you need to go and at least watch this fucking australian band just <laughs> at, just like fucking literally melt your face away i need to watch some live videos then definitely and so, oh, yeah, uh, currently, Man, with... honestly, the live videos don't really do it justice. Really? Yeah, I'm the same as you. I watch live videos to kind of research bands. Like, I can I can only listen to recording to understand what the bands got going on so much. I'm always on live videos, checking it out. Yeah, but the worst yeah, thing is that. like you'll watch some from like ten years ago, and then like that can you know mess up your interpretations. If I watch videos of the Browning from ten years ago. I cringe so hard. I wish I could delete all of them <laughs> off the internet. I just want to delete. I know them. exactly what you mean. <laughs> You're like, why does this still exist? Yeah, and and like some of them are still just like gaining like thousands of views, and I'm just like, please stop watching this, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do y'all like this? Stop liking it. Like exactly. my new stuff, please. <laughs> so, with the current state of everything, and with your band, and I know you guys took a not only with COVID, but took a break from shows because your uh singer hurt, hurt his foot or ankle or something like that but yeah, um he broke his leg yeah that sucks i can't imagine i don't want to break my leg please don't ever let that happen to me yeah. <laughs> but the like what is your guy what's your current goals and current trajectory with the state of everything 
so you know like i guess uh so we just dropped our uh our first ep since um since pre-covid <clears throat> we dropped it actually the day of so what on the uh, 27th of may um we're just really trying to uh focus hard on pushing that because uh we we're we're not with our management anymore we're not with our label this is the first self-release that we've done and that actually i have personally done with the band in a really long time and um you know we're just kind of trying to look into how to make this grow as much as possible on the internet and then um doing shows and runs here and there and just trying to see uh if we can get a solid and new team built for us that will uh that'll work hard hopefully sooner rather than later we're still obviously we're always still writing music and still getting more stuff uh ready to release we're probably gonna release a couple more songs before the year is over just so there's plenty of uh updated begotten music because right now there's one album one ep released sorry one album and two eps released under begotten's name but with a different lineup and a an additional vocalist but now we only have one vocalist so it's just like i want to get at least like you know the top 10 songs on spotify to be like the new begotten and currently it's only six so you know in theory we just got to drop four more songs but you know how that <laughs> goes go. yeah yeah and i mean that that's really the way to do it in the modern world too is just single after single after single like or like little three song drops and stuff like that and it's just yeah, uh especially we did two song drops yeah there you go especially with um being an up-and-coming band you want to be showing people stuff and have something to talk about consistently um yeah because even like you know the browning the last album i dropped it was i think 12 songs and it's like i can't just like constantly talk about those 12 songs you know a year later or whatever it's just it starts to become uninteresting so doing it in like in multiple individual drops is a better way of doing it in the modern world so what's the name of the song you guys just dropped uh so the two most recent songs we dropped uh one is called identity crisis which is the name of the ep and the other song is called Caving Into Scars Left On Me. We have a, on our, the very first Begotten EP, there's a song called Caving In. It's like really cool blast beat metal, metalcore song. And then we kind of did a uh, reimagined, not reimagined version, but we did another blast beat song. And I was just like, you know, it's always cool how like, you know, like rappers will have like, like this album volume one and like this album volume two. So I'm like, fuck it, let's do this song one. And then this, I know Motionless and White does it, but I'm like, you know, that'd be cool. You know, I haven't seen many bands do shit like that. So, Heck yeah. and then uh, the other songs, we, a month, exactly a month prior, we dropped a song called um, PWND, which is playing with my demons. We had a live music video for that one that we did when we were out with Born of Osiris last summer. <clears throat> and, um, another song called this suffering and then the first drops that we did in march after about a year and a half was uh miss eerie Lowe's company that came out with the music video and then also a song called grave digger okay. and those are all all six songs that are on the ep sick well i mean i'm you guys are in the right place and you're already working with the right people to to get out there and to be getting stuff to get the intention so i believe that you guys will get get there and uh get the attention up there that you guys need and so um yeah i appreciate you talking to me everyone make sure to check out begotten on spotify listen to their new songs not the old stuff all right and the new songs yes 
six most recent. All, they're all the top songs on Spotify. So there you just, go. You know, stream those. Hope everyone enjoys it. Also, shout out, uh, shout out to Johnny. Shout out to Browning. The Browning will be on tour this summer with hey. Young Medicine as their support. Make sure you buy some tickets and go check them out. Uh, man, I, I got to tell you, I do like that song Bloodlust a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play it just for you. Well, I appreciate that very much. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate you, Kendrick. I'll talk to you later, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Johnny. Yeah. Peace, dude. All right, everyone. Make sure you go check out Begotten on Spotify. That is B E G O T T E N. Begotten. Go check them out on Spotify. Really good stuff. They do a lot of synth heavy, breakdown heavy stuff. So, uh, if you're a fan of the Browning, you'll definitely be a fan of Begotten. All right. See you guys later. Peace. <laughs>